maybe a little bit about remembering like what an awesome gift that it is. Uh, but before we do that, I just want to just take a second. It's been a year. Uh, Spencer Nickel, Chris Osnes, Jeff Wilkinson, I call him Dad, myself, we have had a humbling opportunity to share your audience for the last year. And we and I want to say thank you for that. It's been awesome. And, and it's been so fun as a church to, to, to just participate together. And we've got incredible chapters ahead. And it's exciting. So on that note, I have been thinking about... Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Group effort. Group effort. So I've been thinking about the cruel and unusual things that my parents had me do as a child growing up. Or things that I thought were cruel at the time, but in the end helped shape me into the person I am today. Like one time we were playing basketball in our driveway, which was dirt, and I remember seeing this little black hole that seemed to go on forever, and it didn't look right. And I said, hey, Dad, look at this hole. And he studied it for a little bit, and he went, I think that's the old wooden septic tank. I want you to dig that up, son. I remember, it's the last time I show him something. <laughs> there was another time we had this water spigot that was outside of the house. You know, five foot deep water line. And my dad says, I want you to stay home for the day and dig that up. So I got out of school and I got to dig a big hole in the mud. It was a good thing. But I started to see a theme. Child labor. My dad used to come and pick us up from school and pull us out of school to help him go pour concrete. Now at the time I thought that was really awesome because I'd much rather pour concrete than be at school. The most cruel thing my parents ever did growing up, we had at our table the prayer chair. Now think about it, you have a blended family, stepmoms, stepdads, stepbrothers, stepsisters, all coming together at this big long table, two, two families coming together that are very different. In one seat, my parents thought, hey, let's get the kids involved spiritually in, in our house. So there was one seat that was designated the prayer chair, and when you sat in that chair, you prayed for the meal. As boys, none of us wanted to sit in that chair. We would always rush to sit in any chair but that chair. We thought we're going to mess up the prayer. We're worried about what other people are going to think. I don't want to make God unhappy because of the way I pray. Well, I realize now that I have kids that they had us pray for a couple reasons. One was to bless the meal. But the main reason I think we prayed was so that we would make it to the end of the meal without strangling one another. So that we would survive a meal together. Why is it that people pray the most during sports games? When we get pulled over? When we get caught doing something wrong? Or we pray the most when life doesn't work right? We're going to read Matthew 21 here. Verses 18 through 22. Early in the morning, as he was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but found nothing on it except leaves. 
Then he said to it, May you never bear fruit again. Immediately the tree withered. When his disciples saw this, they were amazed. How did the fig tree wither so quickly, they asked. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. If you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, Go, throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Now, it's quite often in life that we get so busy and we get so distracted that we forget about this great gift that we have given to us in the form of prayer. This thing that immediately ushers us into the presence of God, that answers the cries of our lives. This thing that is a direct line to God Almighty. Now, if we recall, Jesus fasted 40 days. I'm pretty sure he could have gone one day without breakfast. But what Jesus was doing is he was using this fig tree as an opportunity to teach his disciples. Everything that Jesus did was about teaching and building relationship. And if you think about the world at this point, up to this point, prayer had been textbook religious and very uncommon. Sure, certain people prayed. There were prophets and there were men and women of faith who believed in God. But prayer was not a common thing. And one of the things that Jesus was trying to do was break down these walls and let people begin to know that all people, anyone, whether you're a Levite or not, whether you're a Jew or not, you can pray. You can have a direct line of communication with God Himself. I remember working for my dad as a teenager. A lot of dad stories today. And when you're building in Grand Junction, a lot of times you're, you're working just to make a dollar, to break even at the end of the day. And so you're always fast-paced, 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 rush, rush, rush. And so I'm rushing because I don't want to get yelled at by dad. And I remember stepping over this concrete pier, and there was a, a steel gusset sticking out of it, and I raked my shin right over the corner of it, just... I had looked and there was, I had, there was hair hanging on the gusset. My leg was bleeding. I looked at my dad and I said, Dad, look. And he goes, that was dumb. Don't do that again. <laughs> you should pay attention more often. Thanks, Dad. See, like a good parent, he was looking for an opportunity to teach. Right? And some of us are really good at that and some of us aren't. But we should all be looking for these opportunities where we can teach and build relationship with one another. And that's what Jesus was doing. He used this fig tree as an opportunity to teach about prayer to his disciples, to the people who were going to believe in him. Uh, Side note, a lot of people struggle with prayer and even don't pray directly because of the relationship they have with their parents. And every one of us in here has a parent. Every one of us in here is a child. But there are a lot of people who, they don't talk much with their parents. There are a lot of people who don't have much in common with their parents. There are a lot of people who have had a tough relationship with their parents. Who are angry with their parents. And all of those things become prayer inhibitors. They affect the way that we look at God Almighty. God the Father. Because of the way we look at our own parents. There are some people who were always wrong as a child. And so that affects the way 
they approach Jesus in prayer. They're hesitant. Ah, he won't answer. God won't listen to me. Because they're used to being wrong. So why is prayer such a gift? And why did Jesus tell us over 40 different times in the, in the, in the Gospels to pray? To pray a lot. To pray all the time. And then why did he model it to us? There's a couple of reasons. When we pray, we build relationship with God and open ourselves to his blessing. We build relationship with God when we pray. Can you imagine for a minute? You meet your spouse, you get married, and you never, ever talk to each other. You never communicate. It'd be interesting and strange to see that you actually got married because you don't communicate. But then the honeymoon comes. Talk about a cold honeymoon. Then finances start coming up. You never communicate. Wouldn't that make it really hard to balance your finances? Wouldn't it make it really strange when you start having kids? You never talk. You never communicate. Wouldn't that make it odd and difficult? Wouldn't it make it almost impossible when challenges rise? Really awkward when someone clogs the toilet? Or when you have company over and you don't speak to each other? When we give our lives to Christ, it's very much like a marriage. In fact, the church, we as the church, are called the bride of Christ. It's like a marriage. And like marriage, our relationship with God can be the most incredible growing, enjoying, companionship thing in good times and bad, it can be just like that. It can be awesome. And just like marriage, our relationships with God can be very cold. They can be very lonely. They can be very boring. Sometimes, often people have asked themselves in marriage, am I even married? A lot of times we can say the same thing in our relationships with God. Does God know I exist? I wonder. I wonder. Prayer is one of the most important steps we can take in having a real relationship with God. And if you think about it, it's ground zero. Our relationships start with Jesus Christ through prayer. Us asking Him to be the Lord and Savior of our lives. But then where does it go from there? Is it something we do when we go to church? Or is it something we do every day? Or is it something we do all throughout our day because we can't make it without it? Matthew 7, 7 through 11. Jesus says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? I love about that passage is, God is Jesus is referring to God as a father, as a father who wants to give good gifts. And when we pray, we build that relationship with Him and we open ourselves to His blessings. I officially made someone cry. 
Another reason why Jesus modeled prayer to us is the more we pray, the more we get to see God move in our lives. So when we sit at the dinner table, uh, we, we make it a habit in our house. It's, it's important for us that we eat dinner as a family. Kids are at school, this and that, things are... We come together and we eat as a family. And we make it most nights. We pray and then we talk and laugh. We pray that we make it to the end of the meal. Uh, <clears throat> in our house, knock-knock jokes and why-did-the-chicken-cross-the-road jokes are really popular. You know there's about 10 million variations of why-did-the-chicken-cross-the-road? Our son Hunter whips this one out the other night. <clears throat> why did the pizza go to heaven? I don't know why, Hunter. Because it was dead. That's pretty good for a four-year-old. So rest assured, there's lots of pizza in heaven. So Zoe has a comeback. Zoe says, how come the toilet paper couldn't make it across the road? How come, Zoe? Because it got stuck in a crack. And she does her little giggle. And I'm like, huh, that's actually a really good joke. Sermon material. (laughs) But doesn't she have a great point? Life has a lot of cracks. The road in life is full of it. I think we all have these opportunities to see God work. We all have these opportunities where we could probably see Him a little bit more in our lives. Many of you, probably most of you, know of of Joseph Ricks. And, and his family. Uh, Joe Ricks, is, uh, he's been on the fire department here, the volunteer fire department, for almost 20 years. He's their chaplain. I'm the assistant chaplain. Yay. Right now, I'm the main guy. Uh, Joe Ricks uh, went to Western State College, and uh, he's been running Christian Challenge there with his family for years and years. He, he's on staff at Trinity Baptist Church, and uh, he's an awesome guy. He is he has spent years serving our community. There are a lot of things that uh, we've become close. There are a lot of things that I wouldn't have made it through if I didn't have his support. Like, he would grab me so, so often, and, and especially with some work stuff that we've gone through and, and some things like that, and he would just be like, he would sharpen me. Like, you got this. The last several months, uh, Joe's been struggling with some health issues, and they were getting worse and worse and worse. Christmas Day, uh, Joe Riggs had to go to St. Mary's Hospital where they diagnosed him with Burkitt's lymphoma. He is still in the hospital. His, uh, he's staying in, in CU, and uh, he's looking at least another month, and he's got a really, really tough road ahead of him. And you know all the things that come with a situation like this. Fear, despair, is my family going to be Okay. Um, it's been, here's, here's been one of his prayer requests. Jake, I hope that in this, people come to know Jesus. Jake, I hope that in this, uh, my family, some of my family members come to know Jesus. There's, there's lots of opportunities where people have stepped up to help give. People have donated, like, new sinks that we've put in his house, and, and, and people have raked in his roof, and um, grace and, and Catherine have been staying at uh, people's houses like Russ and Rachel Japuntich and John and Rachel Cattles, and she's been living with us. And 
People have just been doing so much to help them. And uh, people in the community have just been stepping up to support him because he and his family have supported us for so long. And it's so incredible to see and to be a part of. And his prayer in his fear and his most terrifying situation is being answered. There are people who do not even claim to know Jesus who are going, hey, how can I help? You know what? A prayer and a dollar a day, that'll help him. And people are doing it. We have some people in California that used to work with us. They're not even close to Christians. And they found out and they called me up and they're like, man, we're praying. We are praying. You're not even a Christian. In fact, you're the furthest thing from one. And you're going to pray for our good buddy Joe? God is working here. And I love that. He's working in and through the people that, are, that, that claim to be Christians. I love that. If we are not asking God to do stuff in our lives, in our friends' lives, in our families' lives, it's really hard to expect to see much. James wrote, James 4.2, You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When we pray, we get to see God move in our lives. Next week, we have an exciting opportunity. Make sure you're here. We're going to be blessing and charging uh, Pastor Larry as, as, and, and committing to him uh, as a church. And it's really important that, that uh, we're all a part of this. But you know what? That right there tells me something. we got stuff we need to be praying about. As a church, we need to be praying for him. Where are we going? we got stuff to pray about. Last one is this. Humbling ourselves in prayer allows God to work in our deepest needs. Uh, 17 years old, and I'm driving home from work really, really late at night. And as was custom at the time for me after work, I like to have a couple beers, smoke a little marijuana, 17. I'm driving home. I'm a quarter of a mile from our house. Woo! Oh boy. This close. Almost made it home. Officer comes up. Hello, so and so. I'm so and so. Blah, 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 blah. License and registration. I'm, thinking, I'm trying to be really nice. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. No, sir. He goes back to his vehicle, and I remember sitting there going, and I hadn't prayed in. For I don't know how long. And I remember going, Jesus? I was making all kinds of commitments. I'll, I'll go to Siberia. Start an orphanage. I'm going, there's a lot of stuff I'll do right now. Well, officer comes back and he says, Mr. Wilkinson, 17. Let me tell you right now, I smell something in your car that I don't like. Oh. So I'm in my head going, which one was it? Is it the alcohol or the weed? Alcohol or the weed? Uh, yes, sir, I do have some marijuana on me. Okay, have you been drinking? Oh, <laughs> really got me. That was a humbling experience, being 17 years old, doing roadsides, which I passed. About halfway through the whole thing, I, um, I just realized I needed to become really honest. Got a ticket. They let me walk home because I was so close. I wasn't arrested or anything. 
And I remember on my walk from there to my house at 11 o'clock at night was a long walk. I had a lot of stuff going on through my head. Now, for an odd reason, I'd been wanting to make a lot of changes in my life, but I didn't know how. And so part of me was going, well, I guess this is a great way to start. But I also remember being terrified because I had to tell my parents. And I also had to give them a plan of what I was going to do to fix the situation I was in. And most of all, I remember really needing God all of a sudden. I actually remember about two months before, a month before this happened, I wasn't living for God at all, but I would pray at night. I would go, dear God, be with my family, help me. And I remember one night as I was praying, and I went, I was in the middle of my prayer. Dear God, help my family. And I stopped. And in the middle of my prayer, I went, I'm wasting my time. And I stopped praying. One month later, God got my attention. And I started praying with a sincere, humble, honest heart. You know what God did? He answered swiftly. And He answered gently. And He answered with sincerity. And God drew me back to Him. And all of a sudden, I found myself hungering and thirsting for God. Not too long after that, I went on a mission trip. My dad took me on a mission trip. And we were singing this song in Espanol called Usame, which means use me. And I remember sitting on this little chapel on the side of this hill above Mexico City singing Usame. And as I was singing this song, I actually remember saying, God, I want you to use me. And I heard God say, I'm going to use you. And it like broke me on the inside. And I came back from that. I remember grabbing my youth pastor going, I want to help. How can I get involved? And here I am today. We're all doing this together. But I think about this. All of those things started with prayer. All the opportunities and moments where God has used me Prayer was involved in there somehow. And I think it's something that we all can be better at. Something that we all can be reminded of. I don't know where you're at today in your faith journey. Some of us pray all the time. Some of us, it's a very strong habit. Some of us, it's not. But we'll end with this verse. 2 Chronicles 7, 14-15 Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. I will listen to every prayer made in this place. There's a lot of stuff going on right now in the world. And there's a lot of solutions. But the one answer is prayer. The one answer. Most of us know Corey Ten Boom. Corey Ten Boom was a little girl when she went through the Holocaust, her and her family helped hide a bunch of Jewish families, trying to save them, trying to give them a chance. Uh, They got caught. Corey Ten Boom then ended up uh, 
living in her own concentration camp. When the war was over and the Nazis were defeated, uh, she was freed and rescued. She lived to over a hundred. And Corrie ten Boom, in her later years, made this amazing statement. She said, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? And that's a great thought I want to end with. Because so often, it's what we go to when we got a flat. When we should have been using it to avoid the flat in the first place. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your goodness and love in our lives. God, we we ask that you would help all of us, whether we pray all the time or not, to start praying more. To really look to you and the needs of, of our lives. And God, we ask that as we do that, as we, as we reach out to you in prayer, that we would get to see you work in wonderful and marvelous ways in our own lives. We love and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.